Who was Jesus? It's a question that a lot of people have asked over the past two millennia. And believe it or not, it is a question that a lot of people still ask today. And unfortunately, it's the question that a lot of Christians answer. You heard me right. Unfortunately. I'm not saying unfortunately because I think that Christians shouldn't tell people about Jesus. But I say unfortunately because it is fundamentally the wrong question. Who was Jesus? The question is not who was Jesus. The question is who is Jesus? Good morning. My name is Dan. I have been here for the past couple weeks and will be for the next couple weeks filling in uh, for Brian while he is away. And Pastor Milo is away this morning as well as he is off visiting colleges uh, with his family for his oldest daughter, believe it or not. Uh, That time is coming. My point here might seem a little bit nitpicky uh, to say that it is the wrong question to ask who Jesus was, might seem a little bit nitpicky, but consider if we had just met for the first time. And in our conversation, I I was telling you about my wife, and I said, you know, my wife was beautiful. She, She was really caring and loving to our family. She was wonderful at playing the piano. And she was a terrible driver, but she sure did look cute trying, you know? (laughs) Now, if I was talking to you about my wife, who was, then you would probably assume that she had either passed away or that she no longer was those things. Or at least I didn't think anymore that she was those things, right? And most likely when we talk about somebody who was, it's because they are now gone. They have passed away. And imagine if I was telling you that th- those things about my wife and she walked up in the middle of the conversation and said, hey guys, it would be really awkward, wouldn't it? It would be really awkward. If I'm talking to you about who my wife was, then it would seem that she no longer is those things. Because when we talk about who someone else was, it seems one way or another, they no longer are those things. But friends, we have something different in Jesus. And we have something better in Jesus. Over the next several weeks, all the way up to Easter, we are going to be looking in the book of John. But we're not going to be looking verse by verse. We're not going to be going verse by verse through the book of John. Instead, we are going to be looking at the seven statements that Jesus made that John recorded for us in his gospel. They are known as the I am sayings. And in each of these sayings, Jesus is telling us something about who he is. And it's always something about who he is in relation to his people. And something about who he is in relation to salvation. I am, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the gate I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. 
Jesus, through all of those things, is telling us about who he is. And the good news of the gospel is that though he said those things 2,000 years ago, he still is all of those things today. And what I want us to see today in this kind of introduction to the I am uh, sayings is that Jesus is telling us something even deeper than what we see in each of these sayings, than each of these things that he says that he is. Jesus is telling us that he is I am. He's telling us that he is I am. And to understand just all the way what that means, we're looking back to Exodus chapter 3 today, as Bill just read. In Exodus chapter 3, God reveals his name for the first time. God reveals his name for the first time. God has come to Moses in this burning bush. And Moses sees this burning bush and he notices it's not just burning, but it's, it's not actually burning up. It's not actually being consumed by the fire. Nothing is actually happening to the bush. And so he turns aside to see what's going on and God speaks to Moses out of the bush. And it's in this conversation that God reveals his name for the very first time. And I want you to notice that it's in the context of promising salvation that God reveals his name for the very first time. And the name that he reveals to Moses is I am. He says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And this name reveals much about who God is. And I want us to see just two truths that this name of God, that God's name reveals to us about who he is. And I want us to see that whoever God says he is, Jesus also is. Because Jesus is God the Son in the flesh. The first truth that I want us to see is that if Jesus is, I am, then Jesus is sufficient. If Jesus is, I am, then Jesus is sufficient. In this story we have in Exodus 3, after God calls Moses to the task of going to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt, Moses, the first thing he says is, I, I can't, Lord. I can't. You've got the wrong guy. Do you, do you even know who I am? If you remember, Moses had already tried to save the Israelites. In just the chapter before, in Exodus chapter 2, God, or Moses had already tried to save the Israelites. If you know the story, uh, Moses was, was sort of like a, a prince of Egypt. And one day, as he was going through all the workers, he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And what did Moses do? He went and he killed the Egyptian. He tried to become the savior of the Israelites. But all that came out of it was that he had to run away. He had to flee Egypt for his own life. Moses has learned that he is not sufficient to save them. And while it's good that he has learned that he is not sufficient for salvation, he still has not yet learned who is sufficient for salvation. You can think of it kind of like this. 
Imagine you are trying out a new recipe. I don't know about you, but for some reason, we always try out our new recipes when somebody is coming over. And we're not, we're not planning that. It would not be a good plan, right? But for some reason, it just happens. We, we are not planning, right? But just think about if you are trying a new recipe and you're in the middle of cooking and you realize you don't have one of the ingredients. And, and so you, you try to think, okay, what could substitute for this ingredient? And imagine you take the first bite and you realize, nope that cannot substitute for that ingredient, right? It it just doesn't work. Now you have learned what is not a sufficient substitute, but you still don't know what is a sufficient substitute, right? That's where we find Moses here. He knows that he is not sufficient for salvation, but he still doesn't know who is sufficient for salvation. But notice what God says in verses 7 and 8. God says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering. And most importantly, in verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them. Moses, God was calling Moses to be the instrument he would use to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. But God himself was the one who would rescue. God himself is the one who saves. So what is God's answer to Moses in this situation? It's not, well, of course you can, Moses. If you just try, if you just give it your best shot, if you just use the power of I can, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't give Moses a motivational speech. God doesn't even answer Moses' question. Moses asked him, who am I that I should save them? God answers, I will be with you. It doesn't matter who you are, Moses. I'm showing you, you are not sufficient. You have already learned that you are not a sufficient savior, but I am, and I will be with you. I am the one who is coming to rescue. And it's only then that Moses learns to ask the right question. He asked the wrong question first, right? Who am I? It's only after God says, I will be with you, that Moses asks the right question. Verse 13, what is your name? In other words, who are you? Who are you? And God says, I am who I am. You are not sufficient, Moses, but I am. We often look to the things of this world to give us life, don't we? We often look to the things of this world and and, and think that if I can just have that, then I will have what is sufficient for my life. If I can just have this and I can hold on to it and make sure that I don't lose it, then I can have an abundant life. More money, more free time, better relationships, whatever it may be. 
And as Americans, we hardly ever see one thing as being sufficient in life, right? We always need more, or we think we do. We always need better, or we think we do. We always need newer, right? Or we think that we do. But friends, created things are not sufficient for true life. You will not find true life in created things. You will not find true life in the things that will not last. All of those things one day will let you down. And they will not be sufficient for you. But Jesus alone is sufficient for eternal life. Jesus alone is sufficient for abundant life. He was in the past, he is in the present, and he will be always for the future. Many of us can even look to ourselves to be sufficient, can't we? We don't need anyone else. Maybe we don't say it with our lips, but sometimes we live as though I don't really need God in this situation. Many people think they don't need God for salvation. I'm a pretty good person, after all, right? I, I, do, I do good things, and I, I'm pretty sure I do more good things than I do bad things. You might even be here today proud of your good works. You might even be here today to, to show off your good works, right? Relying on them, relying on yourself, for your salvation. And though there's a lot of people out there who will tell you that you are sufficient in yourself, it's not true. Don't believe it. It's not the gospel. You are not. You should be asking, who am I? Who am I to think that I can give myself or anyone else salvation? People will tell you that you can be sufficient if you just find the strength within. People will tell you that you can just name it and claim it. People will tell you just use the power of I can. Just use the power of positive thinking. Just do enough good works. Do better. Be better. And they will try to pump you up with confidence in yourself. But friends, we don't need stirring speeches. We need a sufficient Savior. We can't just work ourselves up to salvation. We can't just keep a positive enough attitude for salvation. We can't just do enough good works and enough good things for salvation. There is only one who can do it. In his name, is Jesus, and his name is I Am. Do you believe that Jesus still saves? If you believe that Jesus still saves, then you can't answer the question, who was Jesus? You have to answer the question, who is Jesus? And these I Am sayings that we'll be looking at Jesus is telling us, don't look to anything else. Don't look to yourself. 
Don't even think that you can come to a time where you, you needed me at one point, but you don't need me anymore. He says, I am sufficient for you. And I am the only one who is sufficient for you. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to what is created. I alone am sufficient for you. And I will continue to be sufficient for you forever. And that leads us to the second truth. If Jesus is, I am, then Jesus is eternal. If Jesus is, I am, then Jesus is eternal. When God says his name is I am, he's saying that he is ongoing. He's saying that there never will be and never has been a time where he was not. He is eternal past he is eternal present, and he is eternal future, and he is never changing. In our short lifespans, think about how much we as people change. We, we don't hold on to promises sometimes. We, our personalities change as we grow up. We change and look, we change in all sorts of ways, but God is the eternal God, and yet he still never changes. It's incredible to think about, isn't it? We can't even fathom eternity, no less fathoming that he never changes. We know that it was God who was in the beginning. It was God who created all things out of nothing. You remember that in Genesis 1, 1, right? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that it is the same God who goes on all throughout the Bible. As we see all these different characters in the Bible, we see Adam, and we see Noah, and we see Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and we see uh, e even Moses here themselves. But God, all of them die, but God continues to be central in the story. And even as we look forward into the future that hasn't even happened yet, still we see God. He is the eternal God. In verse 15, uh, uh, God reminds us again that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He says that three times in this passage. In verse 15 is the second time. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, those guys lived over 400 years before this. The only way that God could be their God is if he is eternal. And he is showing that to Moses. And Moses is to go and tell the people of Israel that. God is, I am. And if Jesus is, I am, then Jesus is eternal. There was a time where he had not yet taken on flesh. But we see in John 1.1, 1, 1, that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. He has eternally been God the Son. He still is God the Son and he always will be God the Son. He was I am, he is I am, and he always will be 
I am. And in John 8:58, he says it clear as day. He is uh, having an argument. Uh, people are arguing with him. And he tells them, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. He spoke it clearly. And everybody who was there understood what he was saying, right? Because they picked up stones in order to stone him to death. They picked up stones so, they could, so that they could kill him for blasphemy. Jesus said, I am. He is claiming to be the eternal God. He is claiming to be the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is claiming to be the God that Moses is pointing to. He's pointing the people of Israel to. He's claiming to be I am. And friends, he'll say it one last time in the book of John as well. On a Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the very next day on that Friday, even though he claims to be I am, he will go to the cross. And he will die on the cross. He will take the sins of the world on himself. He will pay the penalty and he will die. The one who is I am. The one who is the author of life and gives eternal life. He dies on a tree. So is he still I am? Is he still I am? I will put to you that yes, he is still I am. Because though he died in the body, he conquered death and he rose from the grave. As one song says, come behold the wondrous mystery Slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. Friends, we can celebrate that we worship the great I am. And we have a Savior who is the great I am. And yet he went to the cross to die for our sins, but he did not stay there. He continued to be I am because that is fundamentally who he is. He fundamentally is eternal. And he rose from the dead. And he conquered death. And he conquered sin. Friends, Jesus is not I was. Jesus is I am. Saul of Tarsus learned this on the road to Damascus, didn't he? When Jesus appeared to him and blinded him, Paul knew who Jesus was. He had heard about him, and he's persecuting his followers. But when Jesus appears to him, what does he ask? He doesn't ask, who were you, Lord? He has the resurrected Jesus appearing to him, and so he says, who are you, Lord? The Apostle John, though he already knew it, he learned it all the more on the island of Patmos. He saw the risen Jesus once again, and he saw the glorified Jesus. And he tells us in Revelation verse 1, 
or, or chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, this is Jesus speaking. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Who can you trust with eternity? Only the I am who is sufficient and who is eternal. And that's Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 tells us that forever we will sing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to him. Church, if Jesus is the eternal God in the flesh, then he and he alone is the one that we can trust for our salvation. And if he is the eternal God in the flesh, then we can trust him yesterday, and we can trust him today, and we can trust him for all of eternity future. And so I want you to know that since Jesus is, I am, we must walk in faith in him still today. Since Jesus is, I am, we must still walk in faith in him today. In the gospel, we see our need for a savior. We can see that we are not sufficient, but that we are sinners who are in need of a savior. And we see that Jesus and Jesus alone is that savior. And you have to come to a point in your life where you decide, I will no longer trust in whatever I've been trusting in. And I will turn from my sin and I will trust in Jesus. You must come to that point in your life. But we also need to remember that his sufficiency and his eternality means that we still trust him today. As Pastor Tim Keller often says, the gospel is not just the ABCs of the gospel. It's the A to Z of the gospel. And it can be easy for us to fall into the trap that I once trusted Jesus and now I just need to complete my salvation as I go on. Or for many, even thinking I, I, I trusted in Jesus when I was 10, when I was 20, and now I'm saved. He has set me free, and I am free indeed to live however I want, right? But Jesus is not the great I was. He's the great I am. And we are called to continue to walk in faith in him our entire lives. So throughout this series, the series of I am sayings where Jesus is, is telling us all that he is, remember that all of these things he still is today. And he still will be forever and ever. And that's good news. Because in your life, you need sustenance. And Jesus is the bread of life. In this life, you need to see away through the darkness of this world and even the darkness of your very soul. Good news, Jesus is the light of the world. You need to see that you need a, a good shepherd, that you need a gate, that you need a resurrection, that you need a way to the Father 
that you need a vine that you are connected to in order to bear fruit and be made new. Jesus is all of those things. Jesus is still all of those things today. Friend, if you want eternal life, you don't need to know who Jesus was. You need to know who he is. You need to know what he did, but you need to know who he is still today. He is the eternal God, the Son, who has become human, who has lived a perfect life, who has died for your sin, and who has raised from the dead to live forevermore. He is I am. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and you can trust in him. So let me leave you today with a question. If Jesus is I am, then will you trust him? Will you trust him with your life? Will you trust him with everything in your life? Will you trust him with your money? When he calls you to be abundantly generous in a way that is painful? Or will you hoard for yourself? Will you trust him with your plans? When he calls you to pick up and move away for the sake of the gospel? Maybe let me hit a little harder. Will you trust him with your plans when he calls your kids to pick up and move away? Maybe to a place that's dangerous like we saw with Jesse and Bria. And they take your grandkids with them. Will you trust him with your plans? Will you trust him with your future? When you've prayed for that big promotion, you've prayed for that significant other, you've prayed for that healing, and it never comes. Will you trust him? Will you trust him with your fears? When he calls you to do what's ethical, even when it means standing up against popular opinion and it may ruin your reputation. The question I'm asking you is, will you trust him with your life? Will you trust him with your heart? That's what he calls us to do. As the band comes back up, I want to invite you over these coming weeks in this sermon series to come on Sunday mornings prepared to come on Sunday mornings with your heart set on Jesus to come into our gathering ready to worship the God who is not the God who was. I want you to come in ready to hear from the Savior who is not just about a savior who was. And I want you to come in already resolved to walk in faith in this savior who is sufficient for you and who is eternal and who is still alive today and will be forevermore, knowing that he calls you to still trust in him. As the band, as the band begins to play, I want to invite you this morning to go before the Lord as we begin singing this first song. Go before the Lord in your heart and ask him, Lord, what am I not trusting you with this morning? Is there anything in my life, is there anything in my heart 
that I'm not walking in faith in you this morning. And whatever he may reveal to you, I would invite you to give it up to him, to turn from it and to give it to him this morning. I'm gonna be down here in the front. I'm gonna ask Sam to, to come up on the other side. <clears throat> and if you feel you need to pray for some, or with someone, Sam and I will be up here to pray with you. If you feel like you just wanna come forward and, and go before the Lord at the altar, feel free to do that as well. But we wanna invite you to let the Spirit search your heart this morning and to turn from whatever you may be trusting in and walk in faith in him. Let's go ahead and sing this morning.